0: Hello, and welcome to Transfusion's Monthly Podcast. I'm your host, Yara Park. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with Drs. Eileen Ang and Joyce Lam, who will be discussing their recent work, Non-Transfusion-Dependent Thalassemia is Independently Associated with Higher Alloimmunization Risk Than Transfusion-Dependent Thalassemia and would benefit the most from Extended Red Cell Antigen Matching. Welcome, Dr. Ang and Dr. Lam. Thank you so much for joining us. Dr. Ang, would you please introduce yourself?
1: Thank you, Yara, for having us. Um, so, my name is uh, uh, Eileen Ang. Uh, I'm the uh, consultant at the Department of Hematology at the Singapore General Hospital. Um, I also have a concurrent appointment at the Blood Services Group of Health Sciences Authority, uh, which serves as the National Blood
2: Service of Singapore.
0: Thank you. And, Dr. Lam, could you introduce yourself?
2: Hi, I'm Dr. Joyce Lam. I'm a pediatric hematologist at KK Women's and Children's Hospital. And I also head the blood bank at the same institution. And thank you for having us.
0: Thanks, Ian, for joining us. Can you summarize your study for our listeners?
1: Um, So uh, thalassemia is the most common hemoglobinopathy in Singapore. And uh, prior to this study... Um, prophylactic uh, matching for red cell antigens other than ABO and RHD uh, wasn't a standard practice in my hospital uh, or Joyce's uh, hospital. So Joyce's hospital uh, is our affiliated uh, pediatric hospital. Um, so we we really wanted uh, to identify uh, thalassemia patients with the highest risk of uh, red cell aluminization from transfusion. Um Uh, so that uh, we we could identify a a group of these uh, patients uh, who would benefit the most from uh, prophylactic uh, extended uh, red cell antigen uh, matching in order to prevent um, alloimmunization and, and of course, its its complications. Um, So in this study, uh, we compared uh, the alloimmunization risk between um, the transfusion-dependent uh, cells uh, and the non-transfusion-dependent cells, uh, and explore other uh, independent aluminization risk factors uh, among our thalassemia patients. Um, we also assessed the red cell immunization characteristics uh, of our patients. Um, so. Uh, Most of the time, uh, aluminization prevalence is uh, used as a way to evaluate uh, aluminization risk factors among the thalassemia patients. Um, But we know that uh, aluminization prevalence correlates with the amount of uh, red cell transfusion uh, and hence. um, it is uh, likely uh, confounded uh, by the heterogeneous uh, uh, transfusion exposure between thalassemia patients, especially among the non-transfusion-dependent tel patients. Uh, so un- uh, unlike uh, the other studies, uh, we uh, assessed uh, the aluminization risk uh, uh, by evaluating the incidence of first rate cell aluminization uh, upon cumulative exposure to Non-antigen matched red cells uh, using a Kaplan Mayer method of analysis. Uh, And this uh, allows us to better adjust for differences in transfusion exposure uh, between patients. Um, So uh, this method of analysis has been used uh, to assess uh, aluminization risk among um, sickle cell disease patients as well as the general uh, population uh, in the Netherlands. Um, So, we we looked up on uh, existing uh, data uh, of uh, uh, our adult uh, transfusion-dependent thalassemia and non-transfusion-dependent thalassemia patients who have had at least uh, two uh, red cell transfusion uh, episodes, um, and uh, because uh, the majority of the transfusion-dependent thalassemia patients uh, actually were transitioned from uh, uh, our affiliated pediatric hospital, and that's why um, collaboration with with Joyce was was very crucial in in, in this study. Uh, because uh, we wanted to be as complete as possible uh, in in our data uh, collection uh, uh, to to give us a, a more accurate uh, picture. Um, so uh, just just a. A quick summary, the key findings of of our study. Um, So we found that uh, even though the aluminization prevalence was quite similar between our transfusion-dependent thalassemia and non-transfusion-dependent thalassemia patients, uh, but the uh, incidence of first-rate cell uh, aluminization. Uh, among the non-transfusion-dependent TEL patients uh, for the same cumulative amount of uh, non-antigen red cell transfusion uh, was much higher uh, than the transfusion-dependent TEL patients. Uh, And and this was independent of uh, other risk factors such as uh, age of first transfusion, uh, age at the um, last follow-up, uh, ethnicity, gender, or splenectomy status, uh, all of which uh, in our study uh, were not uh, independent uh, aluminization uh, risk factors. Uh, we also found that among our non-transfusion-dependent cell patients, um, uh, the patients with uh, beta-thalassemia intermedia. Uh, Uh, or um, uh, mild or moderate uh, compound heterozygous HPE uh, beta-thalassemia do have also a higher aluminization risk um, uh, uh, than the patients with HBH disease. Uh, We think all these differences uh, between the transfusion-dependent cell and the non-transfusion-dependent cell, uh, uh, as well as uh, between different subtypes of Non-transfusion dependent cells could be due to uh, the uh, higher rates of uh, ineffective erythropoiesis and likely systemic inflammation uh, in the non-transfusion dependent cells, especially among those with beta thalassemia intermedia uh, or, or mild or moderate uh, compound heterozygous HBE beta cell. Uh, so, so these are just our postulations. Uh, we we, are, we we didn't actually. Um, uh, did further studies to, to support that. Um, so, another uh, f- uh, key finding of our study is that, uh, so like many of the other studies, uh, the most common alloantibody uh, w- uh, or rather alloantibodies were to the RHCE uh, blood group antigens. Uh, uh, so, this is uh, similar to to. <clears throat> all the other published studies among the thalassemia patients, um, however, uh, our second most common um, allo antibody uh, wasn't to uh, big K, uh, w- w- which is reported uh, in in most of the other studies. Uh, but our second most common allo antibodies were mia as well as NTJKA. Uh, uh, I think this is not surprising, given that we have a, a very low. Uh, Big K antigen frequency uh, among our population, including our uh, blood donor population, uh, and I think our uh, allo antibody uh, frequencies, uh, 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 the, especially the second most common ones, are, are probably uh, uh, more follows a pattern with which is uh, uh, m- more similar to that of uh, other uh, regions. Um, in this area such as Hong Kong uh, uh, as well as Thailand uh, which has uh, similar, uh, likely similar blood group antigen uh, frequencies uh, 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 as our population. Um, So we also... uh, found that a few of our uh, non-transfusion-dependent TEL patients uh, actually do have uh, uh, hemolytic transfusion reactions as a result of uh, uh, the red cell alloimmunization, including uh, hyper-hemolytic uh, transfusion reactions. Um, so so in in conclusion, uh, we, 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 we just thought that... Um, uh, the non-transfusion-dependent cell uh, would be at the highest risk of uh, red cell alloimmunization, uh, and, and, and they, they would actually uh, benefit uh, the most uh, from um, prophylactic extended red cell uh, matching. Uh, and uh, and they, they shouldn't be uh, neglected, I suppose, uh, for, for each uh, transfusion. We should try our best to also uh, give them um, um, Antigen matched uh, red cells, uh, and and also uh, uh, the other thing is that we realize um, while uh, prophylactic matching for Rh blood group antigens uh, would be useful for for all patients uh, regardless of where uh, they come from, uh, but uh, uh, probably uh, for for the other types of uh, blood group antigens to be prophylactically matched probably would need to depend on uh, the the prevalence of the uh, local allele antibody frequencies, as well as the disparity in antigen frequencies uh, between patients uh, and the blood donors. Uh, I, I think um, these this are the main uh, points of, of our study. Thank you.
0: That was a great summary. Thank you. So how did you come up with the idea for this study? Is this something you had been noticing in your population and that led you to look more system- systematically, or was there something else that Prompted you to do the study.
1: So uh, I think uh, both uh, Joyce and myself have always have a special interest in both transfusion and telethymia. Um So uh, we do know that we need to improve uh, the transfusion practice and the transfusion support for these patients, uh, and we we realize that um, we do not have actually a systematic uh, study. Uh, we don't have actually published data uh, for our local uh, population. So we wanted to uh, conduct this study in order to have um, um, data for the local uh, uh, thalassemia population, uh, and then uh, we could better adapt existing uh, guidelines uh, um, and and for better application uh, for our patients. Um, And and also, uh, the other thing is that uh, uh, we realized reported risk factors uh, uh, by other studies uh, in terms of aluminization risk factors uh, are actually um, well i would say it, it wasn't a consistent finding some uh, found this to be uh, a risk factor others found to be not even even for aluminization risk uh, for non-transfusion dependent cell uh, some published studies reported it as a risk factor the others not uh, and, and we also recognized that uh, existing studies actually were comparing uh aluminization prevalence which which uh, uh, could be confounded by differences in transfusion exposure so so uh so we we've, we've then decided to actually look at it in, in a different way in terms of the, how we assess aluminization risks uh, in, in, in our patients.
2: Yeah, and just to add to Eileen's point, I think it's always important to look at international guidelines and adapt them to the local setting. Um, it was a real concern that we had a paucity of data about our local patients who have a very different ethnic makeup from a lot of the uh, guidelines available out there. Um so I think it was really good that we embarked to have successfully completed this study to just inform our practice moving ahead.
0: I agree. I thought it was fascinating that anti-big K was not a problem in your population since it's so rare in the donor population compared to what we see here in the US. So I think that was a fascinating finding to think about Rh and Kid matching instead of Rh and Kell matching, like I'm used to saying. So, based on your study, what is now your current recommendation for thalassemia patient transfusions?
1: So, even though we say that the non-transfusion-dependent cells uh, are at the highest risk of aluminization, we are not saying that uh, we should neglect the transfusion-dependent cells. Um, so, so I, I think uh, we we would say that uh, as much as possible, uh, we we should try to uh, provide. Um, prophylactically uh, antigen-matched uh, red cells uh, to uh, the thalassemia patients, regions uh, where uh, there is a resource limitations and it's impossible to provide um, this uh, extended uh, red cell matching for, for all uh, patients, uh, then the non-transfusion-dependent tel patients uh, should be prioritized. Uh, and and probably uh, the other patients that that should be prioritized uh, are, are are the patients uh, even among the transfusion dependent TEL patients uh, who are at risk of further aluminization, such as those who are already having alloantibodies uh, or or those uh, with. Uh, Childbearing potential, uh, where it, it would be useful uh, to actually prevent alloimmunization. Um, but if if resource allows, uh, actually um, uh, prophylactic uh, uh, antigen uh, matching should be provided uh, for all thalassemia patients, and and we shouldn't neglect the the non-transfusion dependent cells, even if their transfusion requirements are intermittent. Um, the second thing is that uh, I would also encourage um, for regions where there is not much local data on the uh, alloantibody frequencies uh, or antigen blood group antigen uh, frequencies uh, among blood donors and patients, it, it would actually be good to actually uh Conduct a local study uh, to find out uh, what, what is the most uh, prevalent allo antibodies and, and, and what would be the most useful um, uh, blood group antigens to be prophylactically matched.
0: How applicable uh, might these findings be outside of Singapore? I know you said that you encourage practitioners to really look at their allo immunization rates. How do you think these results could extrapolate to other countries or other regions?
1: So I I do think in terms of the risk of non-transfusion dependent cell I, I think uh, in in other regions if, if they do look carefully uh, it, it's likely uh, going to be a similar finding. Uh, of course it, it depends on uh, what type of patients they select um, so so we've we've actually done a study involving uh adult patients uh and 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 i think there may be a difference if if the study is conducted on on just the pediatric patients who, who may not have so much transfusion exposure um so 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 i i think uh, uh if, if it's a study done in in a similar group of patients uh, i i think uh the the the, the aluminization uh, risk factor uh, uh i mean uh, in terms of uh, non transfusion dependent cell having a higher aluminization uh, risk uh, uh, could, could probably be observed in, in other places as well. Uh, but of course, as I mentioned also, uh, it depends on how they assess the risk. If, if we use prevalence, then there may not be an actual finding, but but that doesn't quite uh, really uh, inform the actual risk of aluminization uh, As for the the type of allo antibodies and uh, alloantibody antibody frequencies. Uh, I think um, I do suspect, uh, perhaps, uh, countries uh, in the Southeast Asian region. Some of them may find similar antibody frequencies as as us. Um, uh, of course, uh, it it also depends on the. Um, transfusion practices in, in those countries because if they are already practicing prophylactic antigen match rate cells then perhaps uh, they may not find such a high aluminization rates uh, among their patients. Uh, on the other hand there may be some countries due to resource limitation or uh, they, they may not be actually routinely matching RHD even so they on the other hand they may find that actually uh, NTD is actually the most common.
2: Uh, type of alloantibodies.
0: So what's next on the horizon for you and your group?
2: So um, we will be working out workflows to preemptively red cell phenotype all our thalassemia patients, whether they be transfusion dependent or not. Um, And I think it's always important to then look uh, back at interventions that we've done to see if uh, we are truly making a difference. Um, And so I think Probably in a couple of years or so, we'll kind of like look at alcohol again, and um, and, and perhaps this time really prospectively track the immu alloimmunization rates um, to see if our approach is yielding advantages and benefits to our patients.
1: Yeah. So for my side, um, of course, I will continue what uh, Joyce has done for the patients, uh, and also um, when molecular typing is available, uh, hopefully, we'll be able to provide um, antigen-matched blood for the transfusion-dependent cells, especially um, those with childbearing bearing potential and, or, or those who had history of uh, alloimmunization. And um, as mentioned earlier, we are in discussion with our National Blood Service to see how it's possible to actually provide uh, MIA matched blood as well yeah
0: and that's a wrap thank you to dr ang and dr lam for joining us for a really fascinating conversation today this has been yara park for transfusions monthly podcast hope to see you next time